electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, Nadine Terman, and Bono and Eisen. Tonight on Fast, charting the chips. The semi's sinking this week, but the chart master says buy this dip. What he sees is a big bounce that is coming. Plus, we are gearing up for another mega week of earnings. Meta, Alphabet, Amazon all reporting, but... Forget big tech. We've got four other names to keep on your radar. And later, the ultimate comeback kid. Check out this big about face in today's session. We'll tell you which stock started the day in the red and ended with nearly a 10% gain. But we start off with a big old rally to end one wild week. All three major averages surging into the close to hand in their best performance this year. The real action was in technology. The Nasdaq jumping 3.1% for its first weekly gain in five weeks. Check out the moves in mega cap tech stocks. Apple soaring nearly 7% on the back of its results. Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon also seeing some strong gains. So is today's action a temporary bounce? Or is there a turnaround in tech land? We asked last night, did Apple just save the tech trade? Tim, kind of looks like it did. Well, it, 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 so did Microsoft this week. And so next week, uh, obviously, Google, uh, Alphabet, and, and, you know, you have Amazon as well. And I think the, the question for mega cap tech is really, um, is mega cap tech going to save the semiconductors? So I, I would have made an argument uh, really for most of the last year, and you could probably have made it for the last three years, that semiconductors were the most important chart in the market. Um, if you look at a five-year, um, some point, you know, Monday, Tuesday this week, you really started to see that semiconductor, SOX index, SMH, whatever you're tracking, uh, break through the trend, the uptrend that it's had for really the better part of three, if not five years. And again, underperforming, not just the S&P, but underperforming the, the NASDAQ or the triple Qs significantly. And, and that's really what I think you need to watch because, yes, it was a, an exciting close to the day. But um, this was a week where I think we, we may have lost that leadership in semiconductors. It's not to say that uh, it's gone forever, um, but I think with the volatility of the unknown in a, in a rate environment that, again, this week we, we saw the dollar have a major move. We saw uh, the short end of the curve have a major move. Um, I'm worried that semis are going to be held hostage until we get a little bit more guidance from the Fed where they're going to be. And we'll get Carter's take on semis for sure, uh, Nadine. But at the same time, in terms of mega cap tech, if mega cap tech is the pillar of the markets, which it is, um, we had great news out of Apple. We had Microsoft, which sort of did a head fake on us in terms of the after hours. And then the next day, the digestion of the earnings, it turned positive, the view of the earnings report. And then Netflix, even though it laid an egg, we had Bill Ackman step into the stock, showing that, there, that people think that there can be value at certain levels. So it seems like these are all good, good news data points for the tech trade and for the broader markets. Mel, I think you're right in that, number one, you know, obviously we've had great earnings with some of the key leaders here. There's more to come next week, though, so the story isn't over. 
Um, but secondarily, one of the reasons why tech doesn't do well in this certain type of macroeconomic setup is the growth of GDP is decelerating. And so one of my concerns is, is the best that we're going to see is this quarter in the earnings. And then are we still going to have you know, strong earnings from here, but maybe decelerating? And that's not going to be great for tech. And so while we still hold positions, you know, we have lots of clients with low tax basis. We're hedging a lot of the, the tech upside here. Um, we have to be a bit careful. So we're more buyers in gold. We picked up, obviously, when the Fed um, came out this week, very hawkish some bond-like securities, and that could be treasuries themselves, or it could be utilities and staples. So we're trying to be a little bit more cautious. So I think today was a little bit more hedge the rip. You also cautious, Bonoan? Uh, I think you always have to proceed with caution, but I do think this underscores the, the out, that outperformance in the overall market will largely be led by tech. Now that we said it again, you know, it, that's really concentrated at this point because we've had a re-rating of those names and those names do make significant cash flow today. Um, now, in, in terms of the outperformance of, of the Qs versus SMH, I think Carter will get into that a bit further, but th that is the next pocket to watch there. Um, but yeah, I think you always proceed with caution, but if, you're, if you are bullish, I do think you, I, I don't think you gotta throw the baby out with the bathwater. You gotta own, both. And if you want some outperformance, I do think that is going to come largely from, from large cap tech. Yeah. Some of the charts in today's market were fascinating, Steve. And Apple in particular, Apple finished on the absolute highs of the session. And I'm wondering if, if that makes you rethink the Apple story in terms of valuation or rethink the tech trade story. So I do love Apple and I've never really rethought Apple. I think Apple is your growth, is your value play. But I think you hit it on the head with the interesting charts in the market today. There's a ton of outside days. An outside day is a higher high and a lower low from the previous day. Why is that important? Because it usually signifies a break in trend. We had an outside day for the triple Qs. We had an outside day for Microsoft. So uh, Apple did save the day Netflix killed the market. Apple's trying to put it back together. Why is Apple trying to put it back together? Because everyone was so worried about the supply chain. Now coming out of Apple, you're not worried about the supply chain. What does it do for inflation? Lowers your estimates for inflation going forward. That means that Powell maybe doesn't have to keep his foot on the gas quite as heavy as he would have a day or two ago. Means tech can rally. I mean, I think that's a good point about the supply chain, Tim. I mean, do you think that Apple has alleviated a lot of those concerns, whether it be about the supply chain and the resolution of those, those kinks in the system, or about the growth in China, which was also a concern because of its um, Omicron exposure? I think we've been, you know, I think Apple's actually been a place where they've been a lot more balanced on the impact of supply chain for them. And in fact, really wasn't until last quarter that we got some sense that they were uh, vulnerable like others. But, but really, look, what we've heard over the last, I'd say, you know, couple weeks of earnings and even what we started to hear on interim results from companies is we are seeing some alleviating of, of supply chain dynamics. Look, um, I, I think if anything, it's going to be a real challenge to manage inventory for companies as we get into the next three to six months. And that's also part of the concern I think investors and analysts have in terms of multiples and margin compression. So um, yes, look, Apple is going to be the company that will take most of our cues from, but Apple was not the 
one that was screaming loudest in terms of supply chain. So um, it, it was a very, you know, it was a very strong report from Apple across uh, a couple different sectors, but specifically on guidance. And, and I think that's really what probably saved the day. Remember, it, it's been the guidance that, to me, uh, I think has had people, uh, and, and really where we've had the biggest reactions, again, back to Netflix. It, it's really a sense of where people are looking forward in a difficult environment. But, um, yeah, great news. I, I think we have... Um, uh, you know, semiconductors overall, part of this is a case of where you just have valuations that really people have to begin to justify, and many of them are, are well above their skis. Yeah. Um, talking, uh, speaking of crazy charts, check out this chart of the day. This is a huge swing that we were talking about. Robinhood staging a massive comeback during this session. This after falling nearly 15% at its lows of the after-hour session yesterday. The stock closed out the session up almost 10%. Shares, though, still marking their second lowest close since the company went public last year. What was behind this, in your view, Nadine? Was this, and, and I dare to say, was this sort of a Microsoft rethink of the guidance situation, or was this just sort of a short-covering rally? Well, you can see a mixed set of reviews by the analysts. I was reading through those this afternoon. I don't have an arrow in this quiver. I'm not playing Robin Hood. But, you know, they need new products to drive engagement. Obviously, crypto trading matters. That was one of the disappointments, too. But I think some of the analysts are coming out saying, you know, maybe this is going to bottom out the stock. We're going to reset expectations. The one thing I don't like is that it's not going to be profitable till 2023. So for me, that's kind of enough said. I'm looking for profits this year. I'm looking for solid balance sheets. Doesn't mean you can't trade this one. But I think that you have to be pretty cautious if you're going to be trading Robinhood. Yeah, it gets down to these levels, Bono, and you, got, and you start thinking, um, you know, if it doesn't go it alone, then maybe it finds a partner. Maybe it becomes a target. So maybe there is sort of a floor under the stock at some point. Yeah, I think 24 million users, you know, ages 18 to 40, are, that's pretty much their core demographic. I do think it is, uh, you know, attractive. And we've talked about, is it fintech or is it traditional banks where, well, it can be both, particularly if it's a, it's an attractive target. I do still kind of struggle with the valuation and, and where they are in terms of free cash flow. And that short interest has been accumulating over time. So I think it's a mix of both. But you really point out a good, um, a good flag there in terms of it being a potential take at candidate at these suppressed levels. Tim, what's your take on this massive turnaround? I mean, we were sitting here yesterday just lambasting uh, the company, lambasting the earnings deck, I know. Um, the vagaries on the conference call, you name it. Nothing was looking good there. It's been an easy lambaste, and, and it, right, so, you know, the, the merry men in Sherwood Forest were, you know, it was 25% move down and 25% move off those lows. And, and, and you get to a place where at 65 million or so shares traded, it's, it, that was three to four times the volume. So we point out that these are the types of days where you get a bit of a washout. Nadine talked a little bit about how the analyst community has talked about reset expectations. I actually think, you know, it's six times forward sales. It's not terrible. Um, and, and I guess, you know, they're, look, they're going to continue to have to be vague because they're talking about different initiatives that will increase the engagement. But ultimately, uh, yes, I, I do think that that core following is still highly engaged. It's just not a very large account or an earnings cycle. And that's part of the math. It just doesn't make sense for this company. I do think strategically they make a ton of sense for a older, stodgier, um, with a much bigger platform and, and can offer some of those services that they talked about as new products. 
whether it's retirement, whether it's uh, some of the education and some of the things that will probably enhance their, their actual underlying investors. All right. Well, let's talk about the one corner of the market that our traders think is very, very important. Semiconductor stocks, as we mentioned, losing steam down nearly 4% this week alone, down more than 16% for the month. But the chart master says when the chips are down, you got to buy. Let's get to Carter Worth of Worth Charting. Carter, what do you see? When the chips are down, that's right. Well, we're going to look at some ratio charts first, long term, just to really put this in perspective. Let's start with the very first one. And each chart is identical, but the lines and drawings are different. So what we're looking at is simply the relative performance of the SOX to the NASDAQ 100. And that goes all the way back to the dot-com peak. And what you see is a very deliberate, orderly, measured bearish to bullish reversal, been carving out a bottom, and it made new seven-year relative highs just earlier this year. But you see the annotation there, the double bottom. Look at the next chart. Now, this is another way to draw the lines. Look how symmetrical the double bottom is and also the mirror image left and right shoulder. In fact, look at the third chart. Is that a head and shoulders bottom? If you want to call it, that doesn't matter what you call it. It's an important reversal formation. Look at the next chart. It's the exact same thing. Again, a ratio chart is simply if the line is going up, semis are outperforming the NASDAQ, lines going down, they're underperforming. Talk about a rounding bottom. Do it again. Next chart. Talk about a cup and handle. It doesn't matter how you draw the lines. This setback is so minor in the context of something that is still so far below its dot-com relative peak. I just think there's more to go. The final chart is the here and now chart. So what we've seen of the last, the market peak, January 4th, semis peak, January 4th, a 22% decline down to that line drawn, and it is bounced every time. It bounced nicely today. I think you wanna take advantage of this weakness and play for a further bounce. All right, Carter, thanks. We'll see you on Options Action in just a few minutes. Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting. Steve Grasso, does that make you feel better about semiconductors and its leadership? Well, I, I agree with them on the charts. The charts look like they really want to bounce, and all of the names, all the constituents are bouncing around right on their supports. If you, it depends on how far you go back. My problem is the fundamental, the fundamental issues. Just think about what all these companies are going to do. Think about what all the automakers are going to do. They're going to overorder these chips. Chips are commodities. So what happens when you get a glut? Then these things are cyclical. So I do believe that there was a time to buy these chips. Tim said they got over their skis. I, I don't think the time to be buying them is now, other than maybe a little bit of a technical bounce. But fundamentally, they're going to be in oversupply a lot sooner than a lot of people think. So in, this instance, so in this instance, at least, fundamentals um, outweigh the technicals. Tim, you agree with that? Because you, you came right out of the gate. You said, I'm worried about the chips. I did. I, look, I, I mean, that was, to me, the story of this week. Carter's right. I mean, the bounce today from 3 o'clock or, or even, you know, one thirty onward, um, did it save the chips? I don't know. But, but again, from that January 4th level, um, that, it, you know, it was a bear market, and, and as he noted. And I, I would just say that, again, and I, I chart that same ratio, and, and, you know, you can cheat with your lines. And, and by the way, nobody... Carter's no one's no one's ever accused Carter of cheating. He's usually dead on with this stuff, and I, I you know, so I'll I'll default to him. Other than um, to me, this was a pronounced week of underperformance. It's been two weeks where semis have really underperformed, uh, not just the S and P but the Nasdaq, and I, I I just think that's an environment where we're still not sure what to pay for stocks. Uh, and we still don't really know where interest rates are going. And that, that to me means I don't have to chase semis and, mm -hmm. and I don't have to buy them on Monday. 
I mean, if you believe Steve Grasso's notion that there's going to be overordering and that there's going to be a glut, I mean, that could be the story of the economy at this point, Nadine. I mean, it would make me worried about almost every single aspect, anything that's being manufactured, whether it be autos or washing machines or sofas. <laughs> Are you trying to make me happy on a Friday? <laughs> no, I agree with you, and I agree with Steve. Uh, you know, I look at this, and this is about a technical bounce, and so the charts can show that, and, and so therefore I agree with Tim and Steve and Carter, and that you know, our trading range is maybe it's got 15% you know, upside, but maybe 10% downside, so it's one and a half to one upside odds, and you've got 25% short interest in the SMH, so that's a lot of people betting against it, so you could have them unravel that short, but it doesn't mean fundamentally they're gonna be printing good quarters. We love these companies, but there's always a time to own them, and it, you know, other than maybe a few days and getting a good trade, you know, this isn't something that I'm looking for a core long-term hold to, to hold on to, unless I can really hedge out some of that tech risk exposure and some of the issues we might see from this sector. All right. Coming up, another monster week on, of earnings on deck. The four key reports our traders are watching. They're naming names next, plus a Netflix trade made for you. That stock has been streaming lower lately. We'll dive into the options market for a way to play it. Stick around. More Fast Money in two. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Edward Jones, who knows that just like life, financial planning isn't only about long-term goals. It's about the moments big and small along the way. And when it comes to achieving everyday financial goals, Edward Jones works hard to connect you with someone you can trust professionally and personally. That's why they created their free financial advisor matching tool to help you find a financial advisor in your community. When you take the quiz and get your matches, don't expect just a list of resumes. You'll also see each financial advisor's story and personal interests. And when it's time to meet for the first time, they'll focus on your story, asking questions to understand where you're headed and why. Because Edward Jones knows that at the end of the day, behind every financial goal is a life goal. And that's what really matters. To learn more and find your financial advisor partner, take the quiz at match.edwardjones.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Another busy week of earnings on deck. Tons of big tech, autos, pharma names set to report. But what is the number one earnings report our traders are watching? Let's go around the horn. And Tim, why don't you kick us off? To me, it's UPS, Mel. I mean, it's, it's the economic bellwether stock. It gives you great insight into not only supply chain and, and some of the, the bottlenecks out there in the economy, but obviously shipping costs, labor costs, um, how bad are they? Certainly UPS would feel them about as much as anyone. UPS, however, also has the ability to pass those on. Fuel surcharges, um, they've got pricing power. They've actually raised prices. They've passed them on. Uh, they're... Uh, more exposed uh, to, to the upside with economic bellwethers on the enterprise side. And I think, again, their ability to actually move to higher margin clients and, and, and optimize their, their entire cost base is part of why it's such an interesting story. It's also a company that, if we think about 
how do we, you know, what multiples do we put on companies these days? Um, it's trading kind of in the bottom of a five-year range, somewhere around 15 to 17 times. Um, you put a 17 multiple on the stock, it's a $220 stock. If you put a higher multiple on it, which I'm not sure we will, um, mm -hmm. I, I think it's a very attractive stock. But either way, I like them into numbers. But come on, I mean, UPS is going to give you as much of a read on the pressure points out there as anybody. Bono, and what's uh, the earnings you're watching? I'm actually taking a look at Snap. So we've talked about the MAGA or mega cap stocks, and we really want to understand, listen, is this going to be a very narrowly focused bounce, or is this going to seep into the more speculative pockets? I mean, this is has all the makings of the hood chart that you pointed out earlier. I mean, it's come off from 80 to 30. It's got a high price to earnings, negative free cash flow. Are investors really willing to stomach that type of risk? And I think Snap squarely will give you insights into all of that. Yeah. Nadine, what's yours? I'm looking at Starbucks next week, Mel. I mean, obviously there remains disruptions of their pre-11 a.m. business, but the big question for me is, has the consumer had enough? If you remember from their fourth quarter back in October, sales were soft, they expected costs to run higher, and this is a business that's maximum scale, so it's not like they're going to be you know, starting a bunch of new stores out there. It's about U.S. ticket growth. Are people going to pay the higher prices? Are they going to spend more? It's about China. Are people in China going to spend more on it? As well as the expenses, similar to what Tim said on UPS, um, they're going to have higher labor costs. They're going to give a guidance on that. So I'm looking at that. And I'm also looking at customer attrition. Are people just going to walk away from this and spend less in ticket and volume? It's really different than, you know, this is an everyday consumer luxury item versus the real luxury. And that's, you know, LVMH and Diageo printed awesome numbers this week. This isn't that. So I'm looking out for the everyday person, you know, upselling into that. What are they doing? I have a $10 pumpkin spice latte is pretty steep to me. I mean, you don't even, I'd rather spend on the wallet. Um, 52 week low, by the way, on Starbucks shares in today's session. Steve, what are you watching next week? Uh, well, uh, let me start off with saying Starbucks had an outside day, too, so maybe, maybe huh. Nadine is right. I'm watching Alphabet. I'm watching Alphabet because I want to see if Alphabet's going to take a page out of Apple and Microsoft to continue the momentum in the market for the large cap tech sector. And just think about everything that people are searching to get back to, uh, back to their lives. Hotels, airlines, an endless amount of things. Google, Google or Alphabet probably will put up good numbers, and that should be enough to keep the average investor in the market. People forget about the leverage they have to travel and travel searches, Bonowin. Are you feeling good about, about Alphabet going into earnings? I always feel pretty good about Alphabet. Um, listen, it's a pretty ubiquitous name. I think it gives you a general pulse on the market. Uh, I actually don't see the downside risk that I do in some of the other names. So, you know, given what we've seen from some of the other large cap names that have pricing power and are very uh, um, have a very broad type of branding and presence, you know, I think it sets up pretty well. All right. Up next, final trade. It is time for the final trade for this Friday. Tim Seymour. Boeing, another one of those companies with an outside day. I like it at the bottom end of the range. Nadine Terman. Donaher, ticker DHR, but it ran up today, so try to get it at 256. It sells into the life sciences and diagnostics areas globally. Bono and Eisen. RTX Raytheon gives you an opportunity to add a little defensive posture to your, to your portfolio. Steven Grasso. 
Apple, it's your everything stock. Value, growth, and we're going to start talking about that $3 trillion market cap again sooner rather than later. All right, that does it for us. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.